Okay, guys, bang, bang, bang. This is Alternative Data News. I'm Aubrey Hodges. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of Alternative Data News. I'm super excited today to uh, have my guest with me. He's doing some incredible things um, in the alternative data space, really sort of uh, driving the industry forward uh, from a pioneer perspective. Um, John Farrell from 90 West Data, welcome to the show. Hey, Aubrey. Thanks for doing this, and I'm glad to be here. Sure, absolutely. Um, so before we kind of kick things off and kind of go through you know, 90 West data, you know, thought it would be helpful maybe just to uh, sort of get the backdrop on you and, you know, how you got involved in alternative data and, you know, you know, how was the pivot from what you were doing earlier? Yeah, great. Um, yeah, so my partner, Pat Hearns, and I started 90 West about 18 months ago, right at the tail end of 2019. Uh, both he and I are, you know, traditional sell side equity research people. So Pat for 20 plus years has been on the uh, traditional sell side, most recently, he was at a firm called Longbow Research, where he was one of the early early partners there, and uh, he was the director of research. So he managed a you know a pretty decent sized research staff producing product for institutional investors. I was at a firm called Cleveland Research, where I had been since we started that firm in '06. Um, and again, you know, Cleveland Research is a traditional sell side equity research firm, really focused on you know grassroots, ground up fundamental research, do a lot of surveys, a lot of channel checks, and they have a really good reputation in that space. Uh, what Pat and I both know, knew and, and noticed in the space was uh, our customers were asking more and more about, you know, in addition to or in place of some of uh, the traditional research services, you know, what do we what are we doing with data? And delivering sure. and delivering data, and and so that was getting a lot more attention. You know, I, I went to a couple of the big, uh, you know, trade shows in the industries just to kind of, you know, see what was going on and get the lay of the land. This is back in probably you know 2016, 2017, uh, and then you know, kind of a long story short, Pat and I collaborated, uh, got our hands on a unique panel of U.S. consumer transaction data, and officially launched 90 West at the at the tail end of 2019, and uh, have been really focused on getting that product into the market and learning as much as we can about the process and uh, you know, just getting, getting 90 West off the ground. Yeah, no, absolutely. Fan fantastic story. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's remarkable, um, you know, to hear about some of the progress that you guys, you know, have made in, in such a short period of time. Um, kind of want to take a step back, you know, obviously, you know, in our industry, most people are familiar with you know, consumer transaction data, um, but but how would you how would you describe sort of the usage cases for consumer transaction data? You know, when a when a when a client comes to you, and I presume your clients are on the investment management side, as as my clients are, you know, what's the purpose behind them wanting to understand and, and leverage, you know, consumer transactional data, um, and, and what's the utility there that you know helps them identify a signal and sort of tie things back to. You know, either the macro story or a bottoms up story. Yeah. So with uh, consumer transaction data has been around in the alternative data world, it's been around as long as just about any, anything. Uh, the, the, the consumer transaction data, again, is credit and debit card transaction data. So think anytime a consumer 
would swipe a card at a retailer online uh, uh, with an Uber, wh whatever it might be, that gets you know recorded. And you know, in our case, we aggregate that data at a at a merchant level and uh, deliver it. So you know, from a uh, investment management perspective. You know, there's a lot of use cases for this this type of data. You know, from a macro perspective, if you get a big enough you know grouping of people, you can get some really good uh, insights into broad macro consumer health, uh, big big picture trends about online versus offline spending. Uh, there's a lot of big picture cases, and then as you drill down, you can get into merchant merchant specific insights, so you can get a sense of what's going on with you know, whether it be sales trends or average tickets or the number of transactions at different retailers or merchants, uh, you can get a really good read onto to what's happening, what's changing, uh, you know, a test thesis you might have about, uh, you know, demographic changes, uh, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty robust, uh, 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 there's a pretty robust use cases for this kind of data. Um, and that's just scratching the surface when you start talking about augmenting other data sets with consumer transaction data or vice versa, you know, you can, you can really start getting into uh, more detail about, uh, you know, consumer trends and consumer behaviors and how it's changing. And, you know, the, for example, through the pandemic, there's a lot of things that changed. Are they, are people going to go back to the way they spent prior to the pandemic or are these new habits kind of going to stick? So that's what we're, you know, people are watching for now, it seems. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I can only imagine that that type of visibility through, you know, a period like we experience with with the pandemic on a real time basis is enormously insightful and helpful to be able to monitor, track um, and kind of understand like how and where the pendulum is swinging, you know, month by month. Right. Which would drastically change. Um, you know, who are who are, are some of the types of, of clients that you're working with? I, I can imagine that, you know, folks on the investment management side, you know, come to mind. But within that sort of segment, you know, you certainly have, you know, hedge funds. And then within hedge funds, you've got discretionary long short systematic and you have you know, perhaps private equity, you know, on the opposite you know, spectrum of, uh, of where the industry is going. You also have you know, corporates emerging. So can you can you kind of just touch base on you know, the, uh, the types of clients that, uh, that you're working with uh, over at 90 West. Yeah. So given our background uh, it, it, from the uh, financial services space, we, we uh, are most comfortable working with the institutional investment space. Uh, there is a huge opportunity within private equity. There's a huge opportunity within corporates. We are just scratching the surface there at 90 West. We're just figuring that market out, but from a institutional investment space, uh, the, the, the way I would, I think we think about it is, you know, there's 25 or 50, you know, investment firms that are uh, very data savvy and have, uh, call them systematic, call them quant, call them, uh, you, you know, the big uh, platform firms uh, that have a, a lot of internal data science resources. And, and that is a different kind of a, a sale where they typically are, are very savvy with their use of data. And they'll say, you know, get me, a, get me the data set clean, complete, consistent, and, and we'll take, take it from there largely. Uh, there's a long tail of institutional investment firms that, that uh, might understand or do understand why consumer transaction data, for example, might be uh, uh, useful to them or insightful for them as they make decisions about buying and selling stocks. Uh, but they don't necessarily have the data science 
resources internally to, to manage that. So that's a little bit of a different product that you need to get in their hands a little bit, uh, 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 you know, more um, productized type offering as opposed to just raw data. Uh, so that's, that's how we think about that market. Now, now the corporate market where we've started to dip our toe in a little bit, uh, you know, there's different use cases. They obviously don't care about stock prices and tickers and quarterly earnings as much or at all relative to the institutional investment space. They care, it seems in my early experience here, you know, trying to get a sense of what's going on with consumer health, consumer behavior, our trends sure. changing, um, you know, we're, we're, our data set allows us to get insights into demographic so age group changes by age group changes by zip code that sort of thing so we uh, uh the, the use cases are a little bit more uh they're, they're different use cases um and it's a bit more of a consultative if that's the word cons consultative sale it seems at this point in time so we're uh learning a bunch about how to approach that market and think we have a really good product for that market and are excited about uh continuing to grow there that's fantastic yeah i think um I think the corporate space is a, is an intriguing area. Um, and, and interestingly enough, I think the corporate space is being shaped and molded by a number of the guys on the street that you and I work with, whether it be the analysts, the portfolio managers, you know, moving or transitioning from the buy side, which we've seen over into sort of tech consumer facing, you know, companies, you know, DoorDash, and Ubers and Lyft. And so that grows uh, not only the usage cases, but the fluency of people that sit in those seats as well. You know? mm -hmm. um, so, so that's a it's, a, it's a pretty intriguing shift that I think is, uh, that I think is happening and will continue to occur. Yeah, um, well, a, a good example of that, if I can jump in, uh, my old firm, a, a plug for them, Cleveland Research, uh, was again, had a very good reputation as a, uh, and has a very good reputation as a traditional sell-side equity research firm. Uh, and as they uh, did their work, uh, you know, they started a, uh, you know, they call it the Cleveland research market research business. So that was more geared towards corporates. So th there is a market for, you know, they just had to, again, it's a similar kind of a thing. It's they, the, the corporate customer doesn't care about, you know, buying and selling stocks, but they are very interested in the insights you get, which aren't that different from the insights you're providing to institutional investors. So uh, the crossover market is there for this kind of information. Uh, and, uh, you know, Cleveland Research has proven that over the past, they've been doing that for five or 10 years now. So uh, it, it, there's definitely the market there. Uh, you just have to repackage it a little bit uh, away from the stock specific stuff and more towards the, it seems the, the consumer behavior type stuff. Right. Yeah, it's uh, important, uh, important KPIs and, and things to, uh, to, to better understand in terms of uh, you know, retail habits and trends. Um, want to quickly segue, you know, into sort of getting your thoughts on the overall industry. Like, you know, as you, as you kind of think through alternative data um, and how the industry has evolved, you know, over the, uh, over the last three or four years, what are your general thoughts on where we were, you know, three or four years ago and kind of where we are today? Yeah, it's, it's a high growth. Uh, there's a lot of changes going on. There seems to be more venture capital money flowing into the space at various levels. Uh, so I think people are starting to catch on to the uh, opportunity that exists. I, I do think it's very early innings. Uh, you've seen in really the three or four or five years I've been paying closer attention to the space, you know, a tremendous 
number of data vendors come to the market. Uh, people who say, I have an interesting data set. Uh, you know, what we've learned is it's not that easy. Uh, it's not that easy to, to uh, uh, you know, the compliance piece of it is a big deal when you're dealing sure. with these hi highly regulated, heavily regulated institutional investment firms that not everybody has a full appreciation of until they kind of dig in a little deeper. Um, it, it, you know, there's limited resources on the buy yeah. side. Even if you have a really interesting data set that can add a lot of value, there's only so many data scientists on the buy side that have the, you know, that, you know, you, know, you got to get in line. And that's, yeah. a, that, that long sales cycle probably has been my number one surprise from when we started the firm, you know, 12, 18 months ago uh, is just how, how long the sales cycle is for some of this stuff. Uh, so that, that's uh, the, the number of data vendors growing uh, has been interesting. And I think the, the uh, acceptance and the understanding or the appreciation for the value of this data from the buy side has increased. It used to be, this is just for systematic quants, you know, math guys, and they're going to put, they have a black box. And what I think there's a greater appreciation for the fact that while there, there is a use case for that, and that was the original use case, there's a, a really nice use case for call it fundamental investors, call it longer term investors. You know, this sure. is not just about calling the quarter on a stock. This is about understanding the investment position you've taken, having all the resources that are available to you to have a really good view as to what's going on with, you know, it could be a three to five to seven year time horizon, but you need to be paying attention to what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis with some of these, these, these companies and industries. And so I think there's a, a great, you know, a lot more vendors, a greater appreciation for the value. And I think one of the things that's going to happen over the next few years is that that connection is going to happen because it's really complex right now to get a thousand data sets and figure out what, where the value is and how do you even use it? How do you even begin if you're on the buy side? Yeah, sure. I mean, you mentioned some really great, you know, points there specifically around, you know, limitations, um, you know, limitations, time, sales cycle, you know, regard, regardless of the, um, the level of, uh, of access or relationships that you may have even at a specific fund, you know, there's still a process in how they prioritize data. Um, and that that uh, that priority can change on the dime, right? I mean, it could change literally from week to week in terms of what happens in the markets, you know, where their attention's at, you know, how they're focused on the construction of the portfolio, uh, and then more importantly, what they're willing to to pay for the data. I think there's a uh, there's a large uh, you know perception that because you know the clients that we work with you know manage billions of dollars of AUM that they have unlimited you know, research budgets, which tends to not be the case. You know, we're, we're, we're kind of in an environment where, you know, performance is getting harder, um, you know, for funds to, to generate alpha. You know, you also mentioned, you know, supply. You know, supply coming online certainly creates, you know, more value and a better understanding of the data, um, but it also means, you know, there's a large bottleneck and how funds can actually go about back testing enough data, who they prioritize, which contributes to the overall long duration of these sales cycles, which at a bare minimum, I think people should expect 
you know, in some cases, nine to 12 months, 15 to 18 months as well. Um, so it's a, it's a very interesting, very interesting sort of, you know, inflection point that we're at. Um, you know, as you think about, you know, new vendors coming to the space, growing, um, it seems like you know, there are you know, 15 to 20 new vendors that, that, that I uncover, you know, every, every week just through personal relationships. What do you think that does for the industry, you know, in this type of environment? Do you think it's a net net, um, you know, value, you know, contribution to alternative data? Or, you know, does it go in the opposite way where we start to see, you know, a large number of consolidation because not everyone can win and not everyone will, you know, will, will be able to obtain the clients that they need, you know, for their business to continue to mature and grow. Yeah. I, I think there, it offers some validation that there's value in the space. People wouldn't be entering at the rate they're entering if there wasn't some, you know, something uh, of value to be added. So that's a, a positive, um, you know, it does, it does add a lot of noise, uh, you know, w- with regards to, um, you know, the, the amount of people who, who think it's going to be simply them calling up a big uh, systematic hedge fund, the systematic hedge fund is going to write them a big check and just say, give me the data and, and we'll do everything else. It's not quite how it works. Um, uh, so so the, it, it, there's a lot of noise. Um, you know, I, I would think there's going to be some consolidation. Uh, I think one of the things that every people are learning where maybe 10 years ago it was, or five years ago, it was uh, the firms that had access to a single data set that nobody else had access to or could understand how to use that single a- a data set could get an edge. Um, you know, now it seems, you know, for the big popular data sets, everybody has access. So the, sure. the next edge is I'm going to take these three or four or five different data sets, mix them together in a very proprietary way to generate a signal that is unique and proprietary to me. And so I think that's where we are. So that would lead to, you'd think, some consolidation among uh, data vendors potentially, um, you know, or saying, you know, two data vendors will get together to augment their offering because one plus one could equal three in certain cases. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how that plays out, um, but it would make sense. Um, and then at the same time, the other side of the market is, is, and we've talked about this a little bit, but the broadening of the market. It's, it again, it isn't just the big systematic hedge funds anymore. It's, uh, you know, every fund that is serious about, you know, uh, you know, positioning themselves well going forward has to at least be understanding what's going on in the alternative data space. Uh, and then again, private equity, venture capital, corporates, these guys are all very interested. And I would say, you know, a couple, you know, they're, they're certainly behind the learning curve relative to some of the, uh, the you know, institutional investment firms. Uh, public ec- for, for public equities. And that didn't even get into the government use cases and all different kinds of things. So very early innings from a demand uh, standpoint, I think the supply is going to you know, change and evolve over time. It offers big opportunities if you have a good product and a good offering and you know what you're doing. And uh, lots, of, uh, lots of really exciting things going to be happening over the next couple of years for sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, given given your 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 experience, you know, having worked on the street, I want to flip the scenario a little bit. You know, if 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 you were running, let's just say a one billion dollar discretionary fund, and you were trying to generate alpha 
over the uh, over the next year. You know, what data sets you know would you prioritize? You know, in addition to leveraging you know ninety West and the, con the the consumer transactional data that you guys have. Well, first I would I would engage with ninety West immediately. I think you sure. have to do it. <laughs> but uh, the the uh, you know I you know that's a, a tough a tough one to answer because I again I'm very familiar with consumer transaction data, my data set in particular, uh, but I have not, frankly, you know, had a lot of access to some of these others. Um, I, I would say it, it likely makes sense kind of going back to that one plus one equals three. I think sure. if you if you were to mix together and and combine, you know, app data, satellite data, some of this NLP data is really amazing of the things they're doing in that space, uh, the web scraping stuff. So I would think if you could do it, and that's not, not, not to say it's easy to do, uh, but um, if, if you could pull together the data science resources to generate a proprietary signal based on that, I think that's not only would it be a, a good way to look, but again, it's proprietary and it's, it's, it probably has a little bit longer, uh, the, the, the alpha decay would come slower than if you're just simply looking at a single data set that eventually everybody else is gonna get their hands on. If, if you have you know, the same five data sets as somebody across the street and you mix them together in a different way, a proprietary way uh, that generates some alpha, that's a lot, e lot, I'm sorry, that's a lot more difficult to copy and to you know, figure out what's going on and where they're generating. So it, the, the, uh, the sustainability of, of that alpha generation could potentially be a little bit more, have a little more uh, staying power potentially than just a single data set. Um, but again, if I was running a billion dollar fund, I would, you know, I would definitely be paying attention to what's going on in the alternative data space. Cause I, I do think you need to have a foot in that space if you're gonna be competing, uh, you know, over the next three to five years for sure. Sure. No, absolutely. And so, you know, what I what I, what I want to try to um, sort of better understand is is you know, you know, at, at ninety West, you know, certainly with the you know, consumer transactional data that you guys have, can you just talk me through like what makes the the, the product so unique, um, and how are you guys thinking about how the product? will evolve over over the next you know two or three years do you think it'll always be a raw data set offering or you know are there are there any um you know ongoing conversations internally to 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 evolve the product to you know other ways to provide you know insights transparency etc so we have a data set today that we work with. Um, obviously, every day the history gets longer, and I think every additional day of history is it, it, it creates a better, uh, uh, more uh, it improves the data. You have more history is better, so that's one way it just will naturally uh, improve. We are the way we have our uh, arrangement structure with our data partner is every call it six months we bring on another panel, and uh, that will continue to grow the the panel over the course of time and uh, so that will um, uh, help us uh, help us improve that'll that'll grow the data set um, so uh, the, regarding the evolution of the product that is, that is something we we work on so every friday we send around an email to you know 
a large number of people uh, that just kind of shows some, basically some slides and some charts and some tables of, of interesting things that we're able to pull out of our data. Um, you know, we're, we're working on kind of that phase two of our business, which is again, moving from the, we're just going to provide uh, a data feed basically to a, 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 a sophisticated hedge fund into how do we, how do we approach those non-data savvy firms who have interest in what we're, our data is saying, uh, how do we deliver that data to them? And, um, you know, we, we've, we're still figuring out the best way to approach that. Um, but there's a huge opportunity there because again, there, there's a, most of these firms don't have the, the internal data science teams that you'd need to, to process multiple data sets on a daily basis. That's just not something that's gonna, gonna be in the near future. So, um, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about that and think there's a pretty big opportunity uh, as we continue to kind of grow there. That's, uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, can't wait to see how, how the product evolves um, over, over time. I um, want to kind of segue into, obviously, you know, I've, I've kind of said this before, but, um, you know, on, on, on other episodes, but I feel like working, working on the street is, is similar to, you know, attending a small liberal arts college, right? It's like everyone, you know, kind of knows each other or has, you know, seen, you know, one another in passing or is a small one degree of separation away from, from one another, you know, as you as you've been in the industry, you know, specifically within alternative data, you know, who are some people that have come to mind that you've, um, you know, had conversations with or have done work with, you know, directly, that you uh, that you admire or have, or or kind of really respect some of the things that they're doing to uh, to move the industry forward. Well. Uh, you know, you are like, you know, is it the Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation? It's, it's, you know, you have two degrees of separation from everybody on Wall Street, probably Aubrey. So you are, you're one of the guys and I'm, I'm glad you're doing this podcast. And I think these types of things uh, help uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, bring the industry forward and kind of make it more, you know, broadly accepted and and gives people kind of a, a peek into, into what's really going on. I think that's really helpful uh, to do things like this. So I'm glad you're doing that. Uh, one of the things I've really enjoyed about this business and this industry is because it's such so high growth. It's uh, so, um, you know, every day it's, it's evolving rapidly. Everybody, competitors or potential customers or potential vendors, uh, everybody seems to be very willing to talk and, and help and have conversations about where they think things are going. And uh, that's been a really refreshing kind of fun uh, thing that I've noticed about this industry that I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it. Um, and, and uh, you know, if you spend time, you know, on LinkedIn, unfortunately in the last year plus, we haven't had an opportunity to do, you know, Eagle Alpha live conferences or new data conferences or Battlefin <laughs> conferences, which sure. are fun events uh, that brought everybody in the industry together. Um, uh, so I'm hopeful and, and they have done a good job of doing those virtually. And, uh, you know, there's a clubhouse event on Wednesday mornings, 10 o'clock Eastern time, uh, that, uh, Mark Fleming Williams kind of heads up and it's a, you know, kind of an open forum for the alternative data space. Uh, he's a guy who does a podcast as well. And it does this clubhouse event and has written some articles, uh, that has really, you know, kind of become more of a voice in the space too. And that's been great to see. Um, 
but it's fun to, you know, on those clubhouse events is a good example where people of all areas in the space, competitors, potential customers, what have you, get together and have an open conversation about what's happening, whether it be a recent fundraise or a recent product launch or some other news in the space. So that's been kind of fun to, to participate in uh, each, each week for the past. It's probably been going on for a couple of months now. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to, to get to know people. And I look forward to having an opportunity to get together face-to-face whether it's New York or Miami or London or wherever it winds up being the first one to really open the doors and have a live conference again. Well, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that you should say that because, uh, you know, prior to, uh, to kind of coming on here, I just got an email from Todd, you know, over at Battlefin this morning, dropped me a note to saying, Hey, Aubrey, we're, uh, we're super excited. We're going to be kicking off live events again. Looks like first event is going to be, um, what I think is one of their staple events, which is the Miami event, January of next year. So it looks like, looks like all that's in motion, and it's pretty. Uh, it, it'll be pretty exciting to uh, to kind of see people out again and have those conversations. You know, doing it virtually has um, has been uh, interesting as well. But the the live events really do create you know a tremendous amount of value and kind of bring everyone in the industry you know together, which is good to see. Yeah. And that is, that is a great event that they put together in Miami and it's a good time of year to be in Miami for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, I want to, I, I want to kind of lastly just ask you about, you know, 90 West and, and, and where you kind of see, you know, your business uh, and, and the company, you know, over the next, you know, five years, like, you know, if, if you could sort of look into the future or your glass ball, you know, how do you think, uh, you know, the company will evolve and, and unfold? I think we're going to continue to improve the product and, and, be, and be really focused there and continue to add on. And, um, you know, as, as, as we get more history, as we add to the, the, the number of people on the panel and continue to uh, be really focused on providing our clients a you know, clean, complete, consistent data set that they can trust, that they can have high confidence in engaging with. I think that's going to be a real focus and will con- you know, it'll continue to be a focus for us because one of the things I learned on the traditional sell side is it's really important to earn that trust. And, and the, the, the client you're dealing with is, you know, is taking career risk. If they make a bad stock call a couple times in a row, like that's career risk on their, on their part. So they need to know what you're doing uh, is, is uh, you know, like I said, consistent, clean, and you earn that trust by doing it consistently day after day after day over a long period of time. And so that, yeah, that's really our focus uh, now. And, you know, as far as the evolution of the market, you know, we're going to keep our head up. And I'm, I, one thing I can guarantee is it's going to shift and change. And, uh, uh, you know, whether that means, you know, continuing this, you know, go direct sales uh, uh, um strategy that we have, um, you know, that's what we're focused on right now. And, uh, you know, you know, just really going to stay focused on being a great partner to the guys we're engaged with now. And if you do that, earn trust, you know, people will, good people will find you. And, uh, you know, we look forward to that happening. Absolutely. Trust is critical in this business. And I think a lot of people, you know, uh, shy away from, you know, times and opportunities where, their data may not be clean, uh, but you have to understand that, 
you know, it's important to, to help, uh, help your clients, your prospects, business partners understand, you know, where you might over under, where you might over index and where you might under index. And, and that level of transparency is what's going to, you know, build, you know, that business relationship. I mean, because as you said, there's an enormous amount of, uh, of career risk, you know, for, for an analyst or, or PM, you know, ingesting, you know, any new data set into their existing process. Yeah. And, and, and this is, you know, you, you need to acknowledge this is complicated stuff. None of this, these enormous data sets are clean, are completely 100% perfect. Uh, what, what is key is, you know, we know our data set better than anyone. We need to point out to them where the holes are, where the anomalies are, you know, don't let them find it and have to ask you the question when it's something you're already aware of. And if you right. can, point that out, say, listen, this is a really good data set we have. That doesn't mean it's perfect. There are holes here, there are holes there, uh, but we've identified them, we pointed them out, um, and we're gonna be, you know, beat, you to, beat you to the question. Um, and then do that on a regular basis. As, as you deliver the stuff every day, you know, if something happens and something doesn't go right, you know, tell them before they ask. And, uh, you know, so that's all part of that earning trust and being a really good partner to these folks over the long haul. And that's our goal. That's fantastic. Um, John, I want to, I want to sort of shift gears a little bit. Let's, let's kind of talk some shop, you know, uh, a little bit. I mean, you're, you're currently based in Ohio. Um, You know, what's that experience been like when you've got, you know, King LeBron James lacing them up? You know, you know, night in and night out, throwing up the chalk, you know, game by game. You know, what was that experience like? And, you know, have you have you seen them play in, in person? And what was what, what were your thoughts and what was your experience like? It, well, it's cool. It, it was it was a lot of fun. So we're, we're based in Cleveland, Ohio, Northeast Ohio. I've been here my whole life. Um, it, it's it was fun. I mean, he, he's great. He you know, what's interesting was when he was a freshman in high school. So whenever that was. Uh, you know, 2000, 2001, uh, you know, he was getting, he was in the papers and you're like, who is this guy um, who's getting all this ink? But, you know, the, the fact that he's, so you've seen him and he's been obviously a very public f- figure uh, through the last 20 years um, to see, you know, to see that has been kind of cool. Again, I'm a fan. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know him or know any of those guys, but uh, it's been fun to watch. It brought a lot of attention to our city uh, you know, the, the championship in 16 was a big deal for the people here just because it's been a kind of a long time for any Cleveland sports team to win anything. But, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's cool. It's cool to kind of see that even from kind of afar. And I have seen a number of Cavs games. You know, I, I was a big fan when he was here, continue to be a big fan, although it's kind of more difficult to, to you know, to root for the guys because they're, they're having a, it's been a rough couple of years since he left. Uh, but it's fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's just, let's just, let's just go through this, you know, as, as every, as every desk does, every locker room, you know, every sports desk, you know, in, in, in five or 10 years, when people are talking about, you know, who's the goat, you know, in your opinion, who's that going to be? Is it, is it Michael Jordan or will no, it be? No, 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 it'll be LeBron. And I think, and I'm obviously not objective, but objectively what he'll have over, anybody else is the longevity and and he's been doing this for 17 years i mean he's i think i don't know the exact i mean i think he's been in you know the finals 
10 of the last 11 years. He's, you know, I thought I saw a stat that he had, you know, 25 plus point average seasons. Uh, you know, he's like 16 of them and the next guy has got 12. So, you know, it'll be the longevity thing that I think puts him over the edge. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it'll be, uh, I think there won't be any question. Certainly not from Northeast Ohio. For sure. For sure. So he says he wants to play until Bronny gets into the league. What do you think that'll be like? Well, if, he, if anybody could do it, he could do it. And he could probably have enough power to position himself so that they could be on the same team. Let's just hope it's the Cavs. I, I was just, I was just going to say that, you know, there could be, there could be a homecoming, you know, uh, back to Cleveland, Ohio uh, with, with, with LBJ coming back and, and Bronny kind of entering the league. That would, uh, that would be pretty interesting. I, I don't know who, who would be in charge of throwing the chalk up into the air. Would he, would LeBron pass the torch over to Bronny? But uh, you know, that would, that would be a, that would be a, a pretty sweet ending to the story. I, I also think that kid's his, his son is going to have enough pressure and his dad might say, I may just not play this up too much, although it would be fun for the two of them, but you know, coming into the league, that young man will have, if he does it, I mean, that's no slam dunk, but if he does it, uh, he'll have a, you know, a big, a big uh, mark on his back. Everybody want to come get him. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be, that would be great. That would be a lot of fun to watch for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned a couple of things earlier around, you know, you know, the ability to travel and so forth, you know, in, in your experience, what's, what's, uh, what's your favorite city in the world and, and why? Uh, I, well, I live in Cleveland. I've lived in the Cleveland area my entire life. I, I love it here. There's a reason I live here and choose to live here. Um, and I'm raising my kids here and all that. But I have, uh, you know, being in this business for the last 20 years, spent a ton of time in New York. I was in New York, you know, two, two times a month at least for the, you know, my basically my entire career and uh, love it there. It's, it's, it's great. You know, I have not been there since March of last year. And I'm very curious because, you know, when you went, when you went there after 9-11, uh, which was obviously a major event that that was a, that was a time that everybody was drawn together and it you, sure. you know you you look around when you're walking down the street and people kind of nod and like it was it drew the community together and my fear again not having been back to manhattan in you know 15 months the the, the covid thing kind of pushed people away and made people not want to engage and interact and go to you know places you know, is that going to have a different kind of effect? You know, New York's going to be just fine. Uh, uh, it's just a, it's just going to be a different kind of a, a recovery than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, and, and, and who knows, maybe the 9-11 20 year anniversary memorial that's going to happen this September, uh, maybe that's a big event where we kind of put down the masks and say, we're, you know, back to normal or whatever, you know, needs to be communicated. So the timing of that might be, might be kind of interesting. We'll see. It'll be an interesting yeah. next six months for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in your, in your mind, who do you think is a, a better CEO for shareholder value, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk? Be Bezos has been amazing. Um, if you just look at the way he's taken every expense item on his, on his, you know, P and L, and turned it into a profit center. It's, it's amazing how he's done that. And he's created a lot of value. Uh, and, you know, pe people, uh, you know, if you look at the stock chart, they, they were not, there was no guarantee 
they were going to make it through that first dip in 02, 03. They, I want to say the, the market cap got down, you know, sub billion for sure. Um, and, and so even after he was the quote unquote successful IPO of a venture back company in 98 or 99, whenever that happened, you know, there was, there was, there was no guarantee that they were going to be what they are today. And so he and his, the, the team over there is really cool, but just to see what they've done on the transportation side, the cloud side, you know, kind of, you know, uh, turning expenses into profit centers is really kind of cool. And I think that's one of the more interesting, neat things that that company's done. For sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, I mean, you know, he was a a, a early pioneer of, of leveraging and, and utilizing data, right? I mean, he's got a, he's got a background having worked on the street at one of the largest firms. And so, um, you know, certainly he certainly saw and, and understood the utility and the value of, you know, understanding the data and you know, consumer, you know, retail behavior trends as well. Um, you know, lastly, you know, uh, just to kind of segue off, you know, best piece of advice you would give anyone looking to, you know, uh, work in the industry or, or build their fluency, you know, across alternative data. Um. Well, if you want to get, you know, I have people, you know, again, coming from the Midwest who will say, I want to go to New York and get on, be on Wall Street coming out of college or, or what have you. And, and uh, I would say, first of all, you got to love stocks and love the business. Cause if you don't love it, it's, it's a grind. It, it can be a grind and it's, it's, you're yeah. going to be competing against people who love this stuff and exactly. this stuff the same way, you know, it sounds like you followed the NBA, like they love this stuff. And if you don't, have that uh character trait or you don't enjoy this you know then it's going to be a tough a tough gig then the the next thing i would say is you know this is you know 20 25 years ago this is about running you know looking at the balance sheet and the income statement running dcfs or what whatever financial analysis might look like and while you still need to understand that stuff um and have a good sense of you know being able to read a balance sheet and all that sort of thing you know have a broader skill set, you know, understand how to code a little bit, understand, you know, you know, how, uh, you know, compounding of, you know, data and, and social networks work, you know, things of that nature and, and, and having, you know, I think Scott Adams, who's the, the Dilbert, uh, the Dilbert guy, he, sure. he, he, he phrases it, you know, you have a talent stack, so you're not the best at anything but you're, you're in the top 10 or 20% in the world at three or four different things. And that mixture of things can really set you apart. So, you know, in his case, he would say, I'm not a great cartoonist, but I'm a pretty good cartoonist. And I'm not a great, I'm not real funny, but I'm kind of funny. I'm, I'm not real, you know, good writer, but I'm kind of a good writer. And I, but if I put those three things together, I'm the best, you know, guy to ever do Dilbert comic strip. And if you can kind of think along those lines with, as you manage your career and say, I'm going to, you know, take two or three of these different talents and try to really build on them in a way that creates a unique combination that is different than anybody else and adds value in a way that nobody else can add value. You'll, you'll find a spot and somebody will want you. And, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of thing. And I have, I have an 18 year old son now who's going, you know, just graduated from high school. So, We've, we've started to have those kinds of conversations, real high level about how you build a career, how you manage a career, how you start a career. And, and uh, 
you know, so it's, it's hard, it, but it, you know, if, if you enjoy it and, and I've enjoyed what I'm doing and I enjoy doing this kind of thing, you know, it, that goes a long way towards, uh, towards having a fulfilling career for sure. Sure. Absolutely. Um, well, John, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've enjoyed every minute of it and I'm looking forward to connecting you with you uh, down in Miami at the uh, you know, Battlefin event. And uh, we're going to have to do this again at some point in the future as well. I really appreciate what you're doing uh, broadly for the industry. And I appreciate you including me in, in one of your first, uh, first podcasts. So I uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it, John. Thanks. Talk we'll to you talk later. So okay. Bye. Hey guys, if you found this episode helpful, useful, and you enjoyed the content, you know, make sure to follow us on all the appropriate channels, subscribe to the cast and leave a positive review. It really helps us continue to grow, you know, put out amazing content and it helps other people in the industry, you know, find the platform and the channel as well. So that we can continue to grow and keep putting out, you know, fresh related news and content every day. Until the next time, this is ADN, providing alternative data news always in all ways.